0: Chris
1: Evans here. Thanks for downloading this week's podcast of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up... Comedy Colossus Al Murray explains how he got involved in narrating the new audiobook The Battle of Britain. Formula One legend and Sky Sports pundit Jensen. Button tells us about the return of the F1 season and what changes to expect. Tom Newton-Dunn tells us about putting down the pen and fading up the mic in his new role From the Sun to Times Radio as chief political commentator... Beginning Monday, June 29th, plus Giovanna Fletcher shares all on her latest charity supporting venture, military tough guy John Hudson, talks surviving a pandemic and so much more all on the way. Right, Dapper Dave, who's first?
2: As well as being a comic genius, our next guest is a real history buff that knows his stuff. He narrates the new Audible audiobook, The Battle of Britain, which is out now. So please welcome a man that's temporarily swapped a punchline for the front line and laughter for the Luftwaffe. It's the one and only Al Murray! Good morning, Al! (laughs) Well, well, I'm only going
3: to be disappointing
4: after that intro. That was fantastic. (laughs) It's pretty good, Al,
1: pretty good. So what are you up to? Al narrates the the Audible audiobook, The Battle of Britain, written by James Holland, which is out now via Audible, uh, published on Saturday 30th of May. But it's the first first time yeah. the battle of britain has been described from both british and german perspectives in the same narrative
4: i think i think it yeah i think you definitely that's the thing james is going for and um uh you really do get both both sides of the story and it's a it's a you know it's a fresh look at the whole thing i mean with with, with history books these days you need a fresh look at um uh a, a familiar story and james has definitely 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 done that it's a it's a it's a gripping book. It's really a really good read,
3: really, really
1: great. So what are the, di- what are the differences that you discovered uh, between the two air forces, and what are the similarities?
4: The really interesting thing is, um, or, or that I found, is the way that the, the RAF looked after its pilots and the way that the Luftwaffe looked after its pilots. If you were in the RAF, you flew for a couple of days and then you were, you were given time off, So you were rotated in and out, and you in the evening you'd go to the pub you'd get drunk and you'd get the day's stress and worries out of your system. Then you'd be back in the plane, in the cockpit in the morning, uh, take, take some of the oxygen from the aircraft, kill your hangover, and you'd be back into it. The Luftwaffe guys never, ever got a break. And they'd been fighting since, the, since May the 10th, since the start of the invasion of France. And so by the time the Battle of Britain comes in the summer, in the high summer, July, August, September they're all exhausted and played out and finished and the flights are longer and more stressful. And it's just really interesting how you've got one society, the the British that's taking care of its pilots and the German Air Force just isn't. And that in the end begins to become the difference. Right, and a big factor in why one side wins and the other the other comes undone.
1: Sounds brilliant. The Battle of Britain audio book yeah. narrated by Al uh, now via Audible. This is one I'm going to download, and I don't download much, I've got to say, but this is definitely <laughs> going to be one for the car on the way in and on the way home again. And now I understand that you 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 know you're all over uh, World War One and World War Two. Uh, when did you when did your fascination for this recent history? come about was it always with you as a boy did you have an uncle who used to tell you stories that got you interested or it's my dad
4: my dad basically brainwashed me when i was sort of when i was a when i was a kid he was really really interested in it and he'd been in the army in the 50s and 60s and all of his officers all of the people he who he'd been trained by were all veterans so he he was into it and we used to go you know we used to i mean we used to do the whole thing of going to normandy and going to arnhem and stuff on our summer holidays and going and looking at a battlefield. So I was sort of, um, I was sort of raised on it, really. And uh, and a few years ago, I wrote a book about that, and was trying to sort of put it put it to one side and give up on it, and like be interested in other other things. And in writing the book, I had to do a load of research, and I got right back into it. So you know, it's um, fu- it's I, I was ju- just raised on it.
1: It's funny, isn't it? Because you had your dad. My dad was in the RAF as well during World yeah. War Two. My mum worked in a right. munitions factory. But at school, wow. at school, we weren't taught about World War Two. We were taught yeah. about ancient history or old history or medieval times. Yeah. And do you think yeah. that was? Do you think that was because the authorities at the time thought it was too close to home? Because the generations involved in it were still um, hurting from it, or because it didn't seem that exceptional? Because it was still almost within touching distance
4: that's a brilliant question um it was regarded as finished business something to move on from to put to one side and to get on with get on with life now and you you see even in the i mean what's really interesting about the battle of britain itself in the 1960s there were you know when it was only 20 years ago there was a lot of discussion about whether it should be celebrated whether there should be whether there should be commemoration and everything. And the government at the time and public opinion at the time said, nah, it's old years, it's old we've got to move on from it. And then later on, you know, in more recent years, in the last, sort of, in the last kind of couple of decades, it's all come back in. Yeah. As the veterans get older and as they disappear and as they die and, and the stories die with them, people have, have become much more interested in commemorating it. It's, uh, it but you're right, it's, it's, it's people thought, well, we've done with that, we've done that, we need to move on. And, um, and, and also... People had different ways of coping back yeah. then, and if you've been through something difficult, you didn't necessarily talk about it. Yeah. Although everyone had that shared experience.
1: It's funny, isn't it? Because my kids, I think, especially Noah, who's eleven, I think he knows more about World War Two than I do, just from school. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Well, well, well. I mean, yeah, they, they are they are taught it a lot more now. But I mean, it, you know, the thing I find because James and I, James and I, are, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, it's very sweet that he, he had me read his book because we're really good friends and we do a podcast about the Second World War together called. We have ways of making you talk, and we every <laughs> week we talk about different subjects. and And we've just done a, we've just done eight days on Dunkirk and what happened to Dunkirk and the, how it how it ended up there, and then what happens after, and and the ramifications all over the world and everything. And we found that the thing about this subject about the Second World War is it is a it's a bottomless pit because you can talk about. Churchill or you can talk about what it was like being a woman working in a munitions factory and then you can talk about the Far East and the Middle East and the whole, and the American involvement and the Russian and it's this completely gigantic, we every week we realise that we've just scratched the surface on, on this subject and what, you know, what is I think interesting for kids is it involve, it, it, you know, there's been a lot of comparison with the Covid crisis with the Second World War, inevitably because It's a national crisis. We're all being asked to do stuff together to help each other out, to protect each other. So it's got that same vibe. And the the interesting thing is when you look at the war, when you look at the Second World War, when everyone's being told to black out their curtains and cover up their car headlamps and all that sort of stuff, everyone's complaining, everyone's going, what do the government know? Who are these experts anyway? Well, I'm not doing it. And it's exactly the same as now. And there's the grumbling and the complaining and then people doing it anyway. Just like now, because it's the same, essentially, it's the same country. You know, nearly 100 years ago, we were the same people, roughly, give or take.
1: All right, well, we're drawn in by your story. I'm definitely going to download this. I'm not just saying that to you, Al, I promise I will. Uh, The Battle of Britain, (laughs) audiobook, narrated by Al Murray, out now via Audible. Al, come and see us when you can. Thank you. I would love to Thank you very much Thanks Thanks for
2: your time The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show With Sky On Virgin Radio You can relax Formula One is coming back You have to wait To experience the smell Of burning rubber But you can most certainly Watch it all on Sky Sports F1 Who better to get us In the mood For the first checkered flag In a while Than the chiselled King of the car himself It's Jensen Button Good morning Jensen Good morning (laughs) How is everyone This wonderful morning
1: (laughs) Well uh, we're very very well. And thank you so much for saying that with a, a touch of uh, irony in your intonation, because I know that it's 11 minutes past midnight where you are, isn't
5: it? It is indeed. It is. Oh, yeah, I stayed up for you, Chris. Thank and you, And the whole Jensen. of the UK, obviously. Thank
1: you. Uh, now, notwithstanding um, uh, what's going on uh, with uh, President Trump, how are other things in California at the moment?
5: Um oh the the... Obviously, the, the riots uh, are, are fine, um, and I understand completely, and I'm with them, but uh, the looting and everything is a little bit scary, so what about we've that? actually spent a couple of days outside of, uh, of of L.A. over the last two days. And what about the lockdown? Uh, well, lockdown, <laughs> we've had lockdown for three months, so yeah, it's funny, suddenly the pandemic is, is slightly forgotten uh, at the moment, but... Um, no, we've had had lockdown. It's it's been fine. You know, we're very lucky. We've got a garden, so we can spend time outside. And my little nipper, he's uh, ten months now. Congratulations. So congratulations, ten months. So thank you very much so we, it's just great to see him grow you know i miss work of course but i love seeing him grow very special time
1: all uh, right so uh, sky sports sky f1 great news about formula one back in the factories um on monday and we're double uh billing at silverstone as well um what have you heard and when did you hear it and what more can you tell us
5: well i have to be very careful with what i say because uh, i think a lot of it's still a secret ooh. but um no, as as we all know, racing is starting again, which is fantastic um, it 's going to be interesting. you know um, I think when the drivers are actually racing they f- you know they 'll forget about the grandstands being empty and they 'll put on a great show for us so i um, I'm really looking forward to it, and you know I think everyone's really excited to get back to racing and I think everyone's excited about seeing live sport
1: when you just said there, you alluded to the fact that. <laughs> You know some things that we don't. That, that to me, smells good. Uh, mm. I, don't, I know you can't tell us, <laughs> that, obviously, the things you've been want to. But that all suggests that there's more good news on the horizon. Can you at least give us a suggestion that might be the case?
5: Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> d-
6: does the good news yes. extend to, for example, mm. um, when we have a, a, a double weekend like the two Silverstones and two Austrias, yeah. the second weekend, will it be slightly
5: different from the first weekend? Perhaps. What it's the second weekend, so it's of course. Oh, don't be we like that! Jensen. Come on, play our game with us. <laughs> we can we can only hope and yes, hope hope and pray that it is.
1: So so far we we have eight races confirmed. Is that correct? Yes, eight races confirmed. But there may be more breaking news. Why can't hang on a minute? Why can't you tell us?
5: <laughs> well, because I'm not supposed to know either. I don't think so. But the good Ooh. thing is that I'm gonna I, I'm the racing's happening and I'm going and I'm gonna try and go as many as I can because i have just want to get out there and, and see the action and and report it to you guys
1: right versus um you know if this recorded law mm. um is there anything else you could sort of can you box jensen into a corner even tighter <laughs> by saying how you think the second weekend might yes. be different to the first week so for
6: example there yeah. have been lots of rumors and actually i hear that yeah. all the teams bar perhaps mercedes are massively in favor of what's been called a, a reverse grid oh. sprint race for the second weekend. So the second weekend in Austria <laughs> and up. the second weekend at Silverstone. <laughs> Jensen, you of course know what that is. I was going to ask but you, first of all, to be... explain
5: what it is. Why would it be a sprint race? I mean, what? They're going to keep everyone there for a whole week to have a sprint race. So I mean, no. that sounds a bit silly, so, doesn't it? The, well, hang
1: on, hang on. Before we get... Because he's, mm. he's trying to now distract us with the bit he doesn't
5: agree with. Yeah.
1: OK, what about the reverse grid aspect, Jensen?
5: Well, I don't know if that's happening, but I think that's a fantastic idea. And, I, and, and the quickest cars never want it. But um, it really helps out the smaller teams as well, because it means that they'll, get, they'll be on TV a bit more. Yeah. And, and they definitely need it at the moment, especially Williams, just from what I read in the papers. Um, so I think it'd be good Do for to Do <laughs> you mean just from what you read in the
1: papers? You mean just from what you read You can't get a paper where you are. <laughs> <laughs> right, he knows, he knows everything that's going on. We've got to keep him on the line. Go on, Keep, keep pressing.
6: <laughs> so, so the leader of the championship I put it would start you. at the yeah. back of an experimental sprint race, mm-hmm. and that would replace qualifying and determine Sunday's grid order. Ah. and ah. Tracks ah, okay. which are able to host okay. two races this year yeah. to create more unpredictability for the second event. Otherwise, they say it would just be a rerun of the first event. Because if if track suits that car, then it's going to suit that car next weekend. As long as there's not you a massive your stuff. change of the in like weather conditions listen to you
5: so can i have your number on a race weekend so i can call you <laughs> can up because
1: he's the guest is that all right that's us <laughs> um do you agree with anything he's just said
5: i think that he's got some great ideas and and i think we would all love first of all we all just excited to see racing cars go round in circles yes, yes, yes. which is mad because it's silly really isn't it <laughs> but very excited about seeing that and i think you know, mixing it up a little bit is great for the sport. So let's sounds, hope that something fun like that happens. Sounds like a big fat yes yeah. from the
1: west coast of America there. <laughs> uh, right, here's, here's another question for you. Um, so uh, you'll be coming back here with Sky Sports Sky F1. Um, have you booked your flights yet? Is that all no. S-
5: right? Okay. No. Well, I'm waiting for a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: It's... Ever mindful of the budget uh, involved, uh, <laughs> Jensen moments is a very important aspect, of course. Um, well, the,
5: yeah, you... it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's two weekends, and the first ones are in Austria. The mm. First races, um, and you can't leave your hotel for the whole week between the two races. It's so you are, you're just there with the people you work with. And luckily enough, I like the people I work with. Otherwise, it would be horrific.
1: Before you go, Jensen, thank you for staying up and talking to us. And um, <laughs> he's probably not getting any sleep anyway with a 10-month-old, I would imagine. Uh, <laughs> this is a bit of respite for you. If you could have changed things, a couple of rules beforehand to shake things up, if you were sitting in Ross Braun's shoes sort of you know, six months ago anyhow, you know, and the, 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 the owners said, look, do what you like, make three massive changes and absolutely go for it, what might have been in, in your mind?
5: Um, normally, yeah, you have great ideas, and you think, why didn't they do this? The, the people in charge and making making the regulations, but with Ross in charge. I just have to agree with what he says. He knows what he's doing. He does. Uh, Everywhere he's been, he's been competitive and he knows how to make racing good. So I completely trust in Ross and I think his ideas are fantastic uh, for the new regulations. So we should believe in him. We should believe in Formula One and I think it's only going to get better.
1: All right, pal. Um, (laughs) Listen, well done. Thank you for staying up and uh, look forward to hearing you and seeing you back on Sky Sports Sky F1.
5: Cheers, guys. Good speaking to
1: you. Top man.
2: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. In a world where it's increasingly difficult to keep your finger on the pulse of the news, our next guest is the superhero sent to save the day. Time's radio launches very soon indeed, and he'll be all over the biggest stories like a knowledgeable and well-spoken rash. Please welcome, it's the new chief political commentator, Tom Newton-Dunn. Good morning, Tom.
1: Good morning. What an introduction. I know. Tom, I only invited you on the show because I thought you were going to come in because I'm fancier.
7: Well, you should have told me earlier. <laughs> life could have been different for the pair of
1: us. No, I watch you on the on Sky pay-per-view all the time. I think you're brilliant on that. OK. So, obviously, I, I'm now
7: ascertaining you're working from home. Uh, yeah, sadly. Although I'm going to go into Westminster today to watch this extraordinary event of um, MPs voting in a kilometre-long queue, which is um, going to be required viewing for all of us anoraks.
1: Extraordinary times. Okay, so Times Radio is coming. We now know the date. As of today, Times Radio launches right here in the news tower at 6am on Monday, the 29th of June. And what part do you have in all this?
7: Well, I am swapping print uh, for radio. So I'm looking for a few tips if you can uh, spare some time, Chris. So I'm going to be the station's chief political commentator, which is a slightly silly, long-winded title, to basically mean I'm the guy who's going to be rapped about politics all the time on various different shows coming in to tell you what's the latest from Westminster or or further afield. Uh, And on Sunday mornings, uh, I'm hosting uh, what the station is calling a flagship uh, political show for three hours from 10 a.m. with Gloria Di Piero, uh, who's a very recently former Labour MP uh, and a a great pal of mine, to hopefully slightly reinvent the the Sunday format and make it just a tiny bit more accessible to everybody.
1: So so, Tom, I didn't realise you'd given up print full time. That's it. Wow. Twenty I didn't years, know that. man and
7: boy. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah did...
7: I am transiting.
1: Okay, so so um that's interesting. That's really not me for six. I didn't know that. I thought you were doing this as well. No, so no,
7: I think that would be too much uh, for certainly enough for me, then probably more <laughs> than anybody. No, full full full-time broadcast from now. On. My last week at the Sun this week, which is um Uh, slightly sad but um, we all got to move on eventually. Okay so that is slightly sad and um, you've seen many things and many people
1: come and go and situations come and go. You know out of 10 how crackers is the world right now would you say?
7: Do you know what we really thought we'd done it with Brexit with the the collapse of the government the chaos in parliament the the chaos in the country for about three years and we, we really think that we'd see that again. We had this extraordinary breather of about a month in February where we thought oh well there's this there's this Covid business coming from China but Maybe politics will get back to normal again. And how wrong were we? This is above and beyond anything I've ever reported on. I think all my colleagues, it's it's brand new. That the sheer scale of the crisis and and what will soon be an economic crisis, I think, is utterly unprecedented. And it's going to dominate politics. You know, for the next. Um, five possibly even 10 years really the fallout
1: now your job isn't to forecast things and you don't need to because there's so much to talk about in the now but if you were to perhaps you know just but give us I the b- that, but. benefit of your wisdom and your foresight you know what 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 a what could you see happening and B, what would you what would you love to see happening in the next 12 to 24 months maybe
7: well well I mean, look, it's it's going to be slightly so depressing to begin with, I'm afraid, that there will be a really tough recession. It, it's already begun, and I think it's really going to hit home in the autumn when things like the furlough scheme, the wage support scheme, started being withdrawn, and then we'll really know precisely what impact this has had on jobs. How many people are going to be losing their jobs? We expect unemployment to, to go well over 3 million, you know, certainly by Christmas. And that, that's unemployment on the level we haven't seen in this country for, you know, 20, 30 years back since the early days of Thatcher. So that's going to be really tough. I also think Boris Johnson is going to get a far harder time from Keir Starmer. He had a pretty easy ride under Jeremy Corbyn is the truth of the matter. That's going to get a, a, a lot harder. Uh, and it's going to be the politics of recovery. You know, who can get the nation... Back into work. Who's got the better ideas for that and what the world looks like after all this? How many of us are still going to be going to work in the normal fashion? Uh, You could be broadcasting from home forevermore. We know we can do that now. Maybe not. Uh, So the world will be completely reshaped by this, I think. Uh, The advent of digital, uh, the employment market. And we're going to spend a long time mapping all that out. So sorry, Chris, I can't do many predictions. for no, you. No, I know, I know, I know but, it's going to be interesting.
1: But what you're so good at is distilling, you know, every, you know, this truckload of information and chaos and confusion, which is why when you when you've been on on the Sky newspaper review at ten thirties, you know, mostly at weekends, I've seen you. But um, you you seem to have this sort of the air of calm you seem to have enough space um both intellectually and, and and physically to just relax and i know that you know about all this stuff but you have a very sort of salient linear narrative on things which is what i love and as the chief political commentator for times radio we're gonna get all the confusion every hour or two when they cross live to you around westminster in your beautiful you know your own style i would say you know, if I could work at Times radio and I would like your job, I think your job is going to be the most interesting job and people are going to look for you to connect shows to connect stories from the morning until the evening now that that's a fantastic yeah. challenge
7: yeah, I think you just you've, you've just nailed it in one Terra you have a beautiful succinct linear line of um... Brett, to you as well. So that's going to be absolutely, and I'm hugely looking forward to to radio. What's been really interesting about the the coronavirus crisis, in terms of how it's affected the media, is that radio. Everyone's stuck at home. You can't go out. If you can go out, you're kind of on your own. So radio's taken on this completely brand new life to it, really, of of an extraordinarily personal medium. It's just you and that voice that you're you're listening to. Uh, and uh, interesting, some friends of mine on, on broadcast. So Emily Maitlis uh, texted me the other day, saying so congratulations. And she said, do you know what? I've never had the guts to do radio. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I, I have to perform. I can't imagine doing something without being able to wave my arms a- around and look good. Yeah, uh, but you, but you can hear
1: that. You can hear that. You know, Emily would be great on the radio, and I think she's probably heading here a lot quicker than she might imagine herself at the moment. Because it get, you can say more. <laughs> you can, you can, th- you can, you can have different takes on different things. You know, again, but o- only for all the right reasons. And also the constraints. You can have the bigger conversation. You can have a bigger listen. You can have a bigger conversation. You can have a, a more uh, a, a deeper relationship with your audience and vice versa. And often that you know they they end up doing more of the show than you do. You know, if you ask the right questions in the first place. Uh, right, uh, the lineup includes uh, four Times Radio hitting the air Monday, June 29. Um, we have Asmamir and Stig Abel with the Breakfast Show Monday through Thursday, Luke Jones and Jenny Kleeman. Her Breakfast Show, Friday through Sunday. Matt Chorley mid-mornings, Monday to Thursday. Michael Portillo, Friday evenings. Marina Frostrop, Frostdrop afternoons, uh, midweek afternoons. Phil Williams, evenings, Monday to Thursday. Carol Walker, Giles Corn, Shigo Rifkin, Amber Rod, Flora Gill, my goodness me, Lord Digby Jones. The names keep on coming. That's exciting, but you can't have a launch party. You're not allowed to at the moment. Um, We could build an air bridge from all your houses to the news tower. What do you think of the air
7: bridges? Uh, A a virtual uh, launch party. It doesn't sound like huge amounts of fun, does it? I think we'll do all that. We'll definitely do all that and and please come along when the time is right
1: tom good luck you are you you will take to this like a duck to water i can't wait i'm really genuinely excited for you and times radio so well done and it's a pleasure to speak to you
2: the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky on virgin radio
1: when you make
3: decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer
1: So we've heard from three guests already, but there's still so much more good stuff to come. Author, podcaster Giovanna Fletcher tells us about her new project, Be My Guest, which helps support charities by giving you the chance to video call with some of your favourite celebs. BJ Fogg joined us from Maui live to discuss the paperback and audiobook release of his mind-blowing tome, Tiny Habits, The Small Changes That Change Everything. And Chief Survival Instructor to the UK Military, John Hudson, shares his advice for conquering 2020 with the new chapter of his barnstorming book, How to Survive a Pandemic. All that and more still to come, so let's get right back to Dapper Dave. Who's next?
2: Zooming and FaceTiming is now as natural as walking and talking, so why not use it to raise some cash for charity? Well, that's exactly what our next guest is doing. Be My Guest means you could be getting a video call from one of your favourite celebrities. So please welcome author, podcaster, host of The Baby Club and absurdly talented Giovanna Fletcher! Good morning, Giovanna! <laughs> <laughs> Giovanna! Oh, no,
1: Giovanna. Giovanna oh how are you <laughs> Right now, that's but listen—that's
8: the, the highlight of my week, right there.
1: Okay, li- we'll pause on. Be my guest. When it comes back, come back and talk us to us about that. But um, the baby yes. club—that's um, coming back tomorrow, and we have a live Q and A today. What's going on with the baby club? Who I know, loads of mum and dads, regardless of lockdown or, or unlocked lockdown or, or easing lockdown or pre-lockdown or post-lockdown, swear by. I know it,
8: the baby club was born so that people could feel like they were part of a community when they couldn't get to the baby club, get to a baby club. Um, whether that was uh, because of financial reasons or them not feeling like they could take their baby out of the house, a, a variety of reasons, and or not them not being, um, you know, close to home. And, uh, and so it feels very apt that we now have the baby club at a time where the majority of us are at home and those baby clubs aren't there to support us. Um, so we have obviously... On the BBC iPlayer, there's all the back catalogs, but from this weekend, uh, we have bite-sized episodes where me and Nigel are filmed from our different home. And they're literally little bite-sized episodes. So you've got a song in there, you've got loads of new activity ideas. And for me, so I've seen a couple of episodes back, the beauty is the fact that you've got loads of different families around the UK joining in, like taking part of... that you we talk about different activities you can do and then you you see a family doing it and it's it, that for me is joyous because at a time when you can feel so alone it's there to bring people together. Yeah,
1: so this is the toddler's version of Joe Wicks, is what we're talking about here. <laughs> the
8: baby version. Yeah. yeah, the baby version of Joe Wicks. That's us, okay, yeah. that OK, <laughs>
1: and nobody minds that comparison, do they, Giovanna? Nobody. No, he's doing amazing work. So in your Q&A today, um, first of all, how do people access that? How do they get involved with that? And what kind of questions will you expect to be asked?
8: Well, it will be on the CBB's uh, Instagram account. So Nigel's logging in from there. I'm logging in from mine. So, but go to the CBB's one because that's where uh, it will be shown from. Um, and I, I imagine people are going to be asking about more ideas, what they can expect from the Baby Club at home, how uh, how we get how we handle having babies on set, what that's like. Um, Because, you know, we've all heard, don't work with children and animals. Mm. But I've got to say, uh, it is a joy. And that is something that I've really missed doing it at home. um, Because there is something very lovely about being surrounded by eight babies. um, (laughs) And, you know, and all the chaos that it brings. And I think that's what the Baby Club really shows, is that I think we all, well, we can feel that it's quite... um, we're gonna to go to the baby club go to a baby club and we're gonna feel judged if our baby cries or if they yeah. you know. And actually what a baby club shows is that none of that stuff matters. That stuff happens and that is part of life. Um, so uh, I love the fact that we show the chaos, so I imagine some questions about that will
1: pop up. Uh, and I know this is, you know, I, I understand that people fear being judged, but in a way, fearing being judged is judging the importance of being judged, uh, so just drop all, drop, drop your own judgment, and then you won't fear it well, so much anyhow Exactly, in the
8: first place. and I think the people that judge ourselves, we judge ourselves yes. more than anyone else, so yes, we, we just do. kind of let that go. Um, you know,
1: let that it, go, the let it you go. Let it go. <laughs> oh, listen. <laughs> you're it, a
8: frozen stage,
1: Chris. It's lovely. To- <laughs> no, of course, but yes, I was hooked off. I was gonged off straight away. Um, before before you go, and by the way, thanks for popping up. And we come back anytime you like to talk about being my guest when it uh, returns. But uh, we've you. got to talk to you about the return of your podcast in a couple of weeks' time. The last time we talked to you was around the very auspicious period where you had the Duchess of Cambridge on your show, yeah, and she was yeah. she was more candid than ever of us. Any of us thought she was ever going to. Be and you were on the front page of every paper, and your podcast went to number one. Who are you coming yeah. back with?
8: I cannot tell you that. Oh, come on. That was such a, just a real time. Because, oh, come on. You know, you have. Come <laughs> on. I've, say, I've loved all of the conversations, and what's, uh, what's weird about this one is it's all been done remotely. So, like this, I love coming into the studio and having a hug and properly having a chat. Yep. So, it is that weird thing where you are doing it remotely, but I can't wait to see each guest and give them a hug. I've cried still, I've laughed so much, um, and, and I think. Uh, you know, these conversations are more important now than ever. People are going to love the guests. There's a wide variety, as, as always. And it shows that it doesn't matter who you are, what you have, we're all kind of muddling through and uh, making mistakes as we go, but we're making it up and no-one actually knows what they're doing.
1: And the more mistakes you make, the more things you learn. And if you get scared of making mistakes, then you might as well give up uh, any sort of hope of learning anything ever again. And uh, here we are on day 73 of lockdown, day four of week 11, and we are now at the point uh, on the radio, slightly stir-crazy, but it is the (laughs) last minute of, of the last show of the week. We are doing... Listeners' names who rhyme with where they're from. That's where we are. Oh, amazing. Yeah, no, it is. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. We've got Kelly from Strelly. We've got Dave from Abercrave. Um, We've got another Kelly from uh, Abergelly. And we've got Crystal from Bristol. And we've got Mr Foster from Gloucester, who has sent your agent an email, and he wants you to reply to it. Can you please reply to Mr Foster from Gloucester's email? Okay. Do, Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I did. Right, so I Rebecca. <laughs> he's he sent one to you via Rebecca right. and he sent one to Tom. Uh, and okay. he, his name is Mr. Flop Foster from Gloucester. Um, and I, mean, I won't be able to forget that. Okay, will I? and it's very important <laughs> that you read his email. And he said, Please, if you get it, that's not the only reason we've got you on the show. <laughs> at all I promise you but...
8: <laughs> do you know Mr Foster from Gloucester I know I really yeah I know him really well
1: Mr Foster from Gloucester but I, I promise you this is not the reason we've got you on the show because he said oh my god you've got Jeevan on the show tell her to read my email and tell Tom to read my email too <laughs> so will you do that for me I will, absolutely. All right, love you. Thank you so much. Come and see us again, love Giovanna. You, thank you so much. Catch see the Baby later. Club at home on CBB's tomorrow at 9.25am or catch up on BBC iPlayer via Sky Key, of course. ta everyone.
2: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you thought crawling through the jungle couldn't help you live your life, then think again. His book, How to Survive, Lessons for Everyday Life from the Extreme World, is out now. So please welcome the tough guy that toughens up the tough guys. It's Chief Survival Instructor to the UK Military, John Hudson. Good morning, John. Welcome back
1: to the show. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Are you all well? Yeah, we're very well. Thank you, sir, so much for asking. How are you and yours? Yeah, the same, thanks. We're luckily
3: very well, too. Cheers.
1: Right, so How to Survive, Lessons for Everyday Life uh, from the Extreme World, out now with an extra chapter. Tell us about the extra chapter in particular, please. Yes, mate. The the publishers
3: have been brilliant because when we got sent to to work from home at the beginning of lockdown, obviously had a little bit of spare time, wasn't commuting anymore, and I spoke to the publishers and said, can we... Get some specifically tailored advice for lockdown and coping in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And is it possible to get it out for free pretty soon? Yep. And they were brilliant. They said yes, because I'd, I'd had quite a lot of questions from people who'd read the, the main book. Um, so it's a free ebook that anyone can download. It's got stuff about um, how to deal with isolation, which is still pertinent for a lot of people. Yep. Um, and then the main book, as you know from, from the past, it's got stuff about coping with unexpected uncertainty.
1: Right, now, so, yeah. overnight, our world, uh, the whole world changed. And, um, it, you know, that was a real shock. And, um, mm. Mm. you know, we had to get used to various things. Uh, we didn't, there was no route map. And we were navigating this together, getting yeah. things right to get getting, getting things wrong together. But now the, yeah. it's sort of, um, you know, survival, sustenance, um, if you like, submission has become the new normal. We're on day two of week 11. And, yeah. you know, it's—it's it's, we're feeling quite dormant, I think, as a nation, maybe as a world. You know, we're still getting mm. about our business, but we know uh, we're not... We're not so much on cruise control. We're more idling, um, yeah. you know, um, You know, more from a, a sort of rhythmical point of view than from um, being lazy. Uh, how do, how <laughs> does one cope with that? So, you know, if you are laid up, if you're holed up and you, you, yeah. you're waiting yeah. for something to happen, how do we stay connected? How do we stay engaged? How do we not lose sight of who we are and our and identity?
3: Yeah. yeah, and that sort of goes back to what we chatted about. Last time I was with you guys, it, it does go back to that coping in uncertain adversity it's about that but the thing that i think is going to be the biggest factor soon is is the kind of the next uncertainty and you're right we are at a much much lower tempo and the the key to that really is what we spoke about where you know you, you, there are things that you can control and things that you can't and yeah. there is absolutely no point fretting about the things you cannot control it's a waste of your kind of precious mental energy so don't worry about that stuff but remember the positive side this this um, inactivity by being inactive you're really really helping the nhs and everybody else you know you're doing something positive by doing less yeah. so that's one way to frame it i think and it's certainly what i've been doing because we all kind of volunteered to help early doors and a few of us have been sent away but it's actually you want to be doing something but actually by doing nothing you're really really helping you know by socially distancing by staying in place as much as you can not being extravagant with your kind of meetings up and not overdoing that so we are actually helping by doing less i think that's a good way to frame it Chris.
1: okay and also you know personally stillness is is often the best sort of weapon in our arsenal to be still to let things happen mm. around us and to choose mm-hmm. when to when to get involved and when not to get involved and usually yeah. to, to stay uninvolved more which is so difficult for us to do as human beings yeah, it is. And
3: I think we're all starting to get a little bit more familiar with that. Even the really, really hands-on people are having to kind of sit on their hands a little bit. Yeah. And it, it's that sort of reframing that like you said earlier, where you start to get used to this state of events. And the, the key bit really is when, it, when things do, when the handbrake does come off a little bit and we start to go back up to higher tempo, do not beat yourself up because you're not going to sprint straight away. You know, it's impossible. The human brain is incredibly adaptable, but we all take time to adapt. You won't hit running speed within the first couple of minutes of going back to normal or future normal. You know, you won't. It'll take time, and do not criticise yourself if it takes a while to get there.
1: So as far as our ego's concerned, often we focus on the things we're not able to do. Oh, I can't do that. Why can't I do that? Yeah, but just make the most of all the things you can do, because that's not us, Let's... is it? That's our ego going, well, hang on a minute. And there's that great phrase, isn't it? It's not about... When the ego decides, it's about who makes the decision, and when the ego is put to one side, it's about what the decision is, and it's far better to focus on the decision than who makes it.
3: Yeah, and you can, again, you can... Choose what you're going to target and how you're going to hit that target by taking that step back from the process. Because we are instinctive creatures. It's natural for us to lurch for the easy answer normally and the the fast gratification. But realistically, the thing that's going to help us out most, which is the hardest for us as a species to do, is the thing that's the benefit in the distance. So take that moment, you know, have a sit on your Bergen metaphorically, breathe in through (laughs) your nose, out through your mouth, think about what you're going to do, and then choose what's the the big problem to tackle and it's normally a thing that you don't want to do no, that's generally the thing that needs to be
1: done first, I find. Anyway, what I what I find really interesting, as far as arresting the annoying thought loops are concerned, those annoying thought loops of repetitive sort of negativity, is if you yeah. try and breathe in a, a useful phrase and breathe out a thank you at the end of that phrase, and try and do that, just try and do that ten times walking down the road. It's so uh-huh. hard to get to ten without your mind wandering off somewhere else. That's just a, yeah. a, a, yeah, a yeah. lovely little sort of sort of virtual anchor to try and sort of hook onto some rocks somewhere. I I agree,
3: and it's about making that space, isn't it? Because there are little this and it's not really a life hack that kind of thing it's just something that somebody stumbled upon once and they passed around to their mates and that's the same with the information that we're talking about you know let's spread this positive information around because it's there it's just that people haven't heard about it yet so although i love all those little coping techniques i uh, still put my pencil in my mouth sideways to make myself feel happy no i you know, know that's I, a good one
1: but yeah it's, it's funny because the coping techniques help you to remember what's important but sometimes you forget the coping techniques which is really bizarre yeah. so you need a coping technique to help you remember the coping techniques <laughs> <laughs> Just practice, 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 yeah. mate. The more you do it, the, it becomes a habit, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, so also helpful um, within all this mm. nonsense, within all this noise, is not being able to get a phone signal. That is a helpful thing, yeah. isn't it? So congratulations. Definitely. Uh, did you move there on purpose?
3: We, we sort of did. But then, you know, the joke wore off after about four years. And then <laughs> it's like... <laughs> four <laughs> and then, Miraculously, a wire appeared back at the back of the house right. yesterday. So you know, it's it's going to change for
1: us. All right, John. Well, it's great to talk to you again. John Hudson, How to Survive, Extra Chapter, How to Survive, Lessons for Everyday Life from the Extreme World. It's out now. And How to Survive a Pandemic Life Lessons for Coping with COVID-19 is that additional bit of copy for you there, which could be very useful.
2: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's one of the most sought-after thinkers in Silicon Valley, and he absolutely loves a good high-five. His brilliant book, Tiny Habits, The Small Changes That Change Everything, is out now in paperback and audiobook. So please welcome a man that's a habit you certainly do not want to break. Boom! It's BJ Fogg! Good morning, BJ! Hello, how are you? Aloha,
9: I'm fine, how are you? Doing good, really happy to be here. It's night for me, of course.
1: I know, and you sent me the email over the weekend saying you're setting your alarm to get up to be on the show thank you thank you thank you thousand thank you and you'll try to be perky is what
9: you said boom perky perky yes
1: (laughs) right now um we could talk we could talk forever just to you generally about everything we'll talk about your book again in a moment or two we'll talk about covid19 and we'll talk about other things but first just tell us about hawaii because so many of us dream (sighs)
9: about hawaii how did you end up there how did you pick your island It, it is awesome well actually we're stuck here so after doing uh, visiting you and other people on the book, we came here to chill a little bit. And then when uh, coronavirus uh, became an issue, it's like, well, do we stay here? Or do we go to California? And we said, we're going to stay here. Maui is awesome. So all the islands are awesome. But we just gravitated toward Maui. Uh, it attracts a certain kind of person, kind of grooviness, kind of a vibe. And such a beautiful island. It's just I think the best mix of everything.
1: You really changed my life after I read your book and I talked to you. So every morning, I did it this morning and I will do it for, literally for the rest of my life. So I wake up. Uh, my first waking thought is own my breath. So I own three breaths in and out. I breathe in through my nose, hold for 10 seconds. It's the first 30 seconds of my day every day as I become conscious again. And then I spend a minute or two being grateful whilst still in bed with my eyes closed. Then a minute of intentions or two minutes of intentions. Then I swing my legs out. And just before my feet touch the ground, I say, today's going to be a great day. And that's how I begin. And that, I flick my good own switch you. in the direction I want it to go. And that, I learned all that from you, BJ.
9: Oh, good for you. Well, you're making me feel... Uh very happy by saying that keep up the good work and uh i hope that inspires others to do the same
1: yeah and he does it and he sets you off on the right track so you know straight away that that happens in the bedroom so then i get to work (laughs) this morning and i park the car about quarter of a mile away from here and then there's some there's mm. some litter on the, the uh, pavements and i'm not virtue signaling here but if if you then pick up that litter and you put it in a bin it's a very selfish thing to do because it makes you feel fantastic and if you yeah. can, that that these are the tiny habits that that you know you plant the seeds you you water your own shoots and and you you then get to enjoy the fruits of not your labor but of your intent
9: yeah. And you know, the surprise is how small, how tiny the habit or the behavior can be to have such a big impact on how you feel mm-hmm. and over time, how big it grows and how much it changes your life. But people have to, they, you know, sometimes we think, go, oh, I need huge changes. I can't use this tiny habits method to achieve big changes. That's exactly how you get to the big change just like if you want a huge tree you plant it you start it tiny you find the right spot and you nurture it and it gets there that's the reliable way to make big changes <laughs> or get a big tree in your yard and and
1: you're so right because once you once you sort of uh, take the first chip at uh, the, uh, the granite take and it's literally a tap 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 chip 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 and you feel the difference it makes it takes the yes. burden of potential fr- from you in the weight of, of of what the change you thought you might have to make. You think, oh no, it's this easy. It is literally like remembering to breathe.
9: Yeah. And, you know, and the more you do it, the easier it gets. The more you practice tiny habits in the right way, the easier it gets to change your behavior. And the effect it has is not only are you creating habits of tidiness and drinking more water and saying it's going to be a great day and responding better to your spouse. But you are your identity is shifting. And this is really what transforms is you think I'm not I'm the kind of person who picks up trash on the street. I'm the kind of person who sees things from a positive angle. I'm a kind of person who puts down my technology and looks my spouse in the eye when he or she is talking. And those kind that kind of shift in identity can be that's the game changer.
1: That is the game changer. Okay, so they're the seeds. Uh, How about the forest? So uh, this is BJ Fogg's three things that will change your behavior in the long term. Option A, have an epiphany. Option B, change your environment. Option C, take baby steps. Uh, The last epiphany you had, do you still have them? Do you you, you get to a point where you just don't need them anymore or they're not going to visit you ever again?
9: Yeah, epiphanies, are. I think they're really rare. We're talking about Saul in the Bible kind of thing where it just transforms. It's not somebody who says, oh my gosh, I need to eat differently. We're talking, and, but people are set up to believe that if somehow you read an academic paper or watch a video on YouTube or go to a conference, you'll have this epiphany and then just change magically. And I'm saying, nope, that's not reliable. Epiphanies happen, but you can't make one happen. So let's move on to the things that actually work. Do you still sometimes
1: make the mistake of trying to, trying to bash a square peg into a round hole or, or are you cured of that
9: completely? <laughs> oh, you know, the uh, yes. I mean, I, I'm like a lot of people listening to this. I'm ambitious. I want to be the best version of myself. I keep thinking that I'm going to be able wiring foam rolling as a habit. So while I watch TV, I'll be rolling on this foam thing and it's painful. So my 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 rational part of my brain knows that's a good thing to do. It's myofacial release or something like that, really good for you. But in reality, it's hit and miss, it's body. But in other things, the really and the reason that doesn't wire in is because it's painful. You wire in habits you actually want. Wires a habit you wire in habits that feel good. You wire in habits that where you feel successful. Yeah. And it's really hard to feel successful when you're on a foam roller. And it's kind of excruciating at times.
1: And this is your whole theory about motivation over ability. So increase the ability to make something you want happen as as opposed to, to, to rely on what will only ever be temporary motivation.
9: Yes, yes. And that's so important. If you just take a few moments, rearrange things. I mean, it could be as simple as flossing. The floss container. Put it on the bathroom counter rather than in a drawer. That can make the difference between flossing and not flossing. And sometimes it can really be that simple.
1: Bj, I love you. I appreciate you. Um, mm. I honor you um, I want to be your friend forever uh, but that's the the, ball, the
9: balls in your court BJ it's, <laughs> it's definitely not in mine okay I'll invite you to my next radio show thank you so much Chris uh, and right. Thank thank so much for team for involving me here. You, you're very welcome thank
1: you for staying up tiny habits the small changes that change everything out uh, now in paperback and more importantly audiobook uh, under lockdown so tiny habits once again the small changes that change everything and that was BJ Fogg live from Maui Hawaii
2: the best of the Chris episode Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Their cows, the oldest postbox in the British Isles and their beautiful peninsula. All things Guernsey are famous for. Well, now you can add ability to deal with global pandemics to that list. Here to tell us more, please welcome the Director of Public Health Guernsey. It's the wonderful Dr Nicola Brink. Good morning,
1: Dr Nicola. And I understand that I can call you Dr Nikki.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much.
1: All right. Now, before we talk about what's happened in the last 35 days in Guernsey, which is quite incredible. First of all, tell us about yourself. So you're originally from where?
0: I'm originally from South Africa. I studied in South Africa, became a virologist there and then went across to London and worked at University College in London for many years um, in virology. And then after that, came across to Guernsey. So... Um, lived in some lovely places. So how come you went to Guernsey? So really initially because um, I wanted to spend some time with my younger children. Um, so, so I had two very young children at the time. And I'd been working really hard at university college. And my husband got a job in Guernsey. We thought it was an ideal opportunity to just pause and spend some time with our young children. And it was a magical time. And it's a time that I'll never get back again. And I'm so glad that I did it. Yeah. But I do like to work, <laughs> so um, got back to to working after that. So I'm very fortunate to to have some wonderful opportunities in Guernsey. So tell us about tell us about
1: for people who don't know about how big Guernsey is geographically. How many people are there and the other Channel Islands uh, around it?
0: So Guernsey is part of the Bailiwick of Guernsey, which is a, a group of islands. Which is Guern- Guernsey, um, which is it's got the largest population, about 64,000. Then they've got Alderney, um, Sark, Herm, and Jetto as well, and that all forms part of the. Wick of Guernsey. So we're a collection of islands. Wonderful community. It's really an amazing place to live. So, so it's a great, it's a great community. Great community spirit.
1: Okay. Um, now you've been exalted for your work, you and your team's work um, with COVID nineteen, and and I know it's of course it's an it's it's a deadly serious subject. Literally a deadly yes. serious subject. But I can't help help smiling every time I hear your name, and I don't want to treat this with levity. But you know, mm-hmm. I I I hear your name. I hear what you have to say. I I I listen again and read again the the results that you seem to have achieved, the success, if there is a a success here to be had with COVID-19. And, you know, it just makes me feel good about things. Uh, So, you know, with that caveat, can you tell us, you know give us a précis of what's happened in the last 35 days and what the storm that you saw brewing on the coronavirus yeah. horizon, if you don't mind.
0: I think, first of all, the most important thing for me has been the team and the community. So although I've fronted the team, it's been an incredible teamwork and also incredible support from the whole community. And one of the things is that we've worked without barriers. We've considered ourselves a single team across the whole island so really, really important. Um, from my point of view, from a strictly public health point of view, the, the preparation and planning was so important. So we watched the events emerging out of, out of Wuhan City and we decided really early on that we'd follow a community-based test trace strategy. So we really felt that was important. So we did the test, track and trace from early on. So by the time we had our first case on the 9th of March, we started off with our test track and trace. The other thing that I think is also important is to analyze the data really carefully. So we thought research and analysis was important. So for example, is we looked at the clinical symptoms in our first 100 patients and we said, we don't think the cough or fever or shortness of breath is getting enough patients. And so on the 8th of April, we included things of lo- like loss of sense of smell and taste. So I think it's a combination of the amazing teamwork, but also having that preparation and planning, but also researching and analysing all the data and designing something that's right for our jurisdiction here. And I think that together has been so important.
1: Now, as an expert virolog- mm. virologist, when you, when you heard about what was going on in Wuhan, do you Do you immediately think, oh, here it comes?
0: Immediately. When I I watched the early emergence through January, um, I thought this virus had pandemic potential. It was absolutely clear to me that this virus had pandemic potential. And we started preparing then in January. So through January and February, we put all of our, um, all of our measures in place. And you could say on the 9th of March, when we got our first case, we were ready and waiting. So we had contact tracers trained up by then. So we've got 35 contact tracers trained up here. And that might not sound a lot to you, but in UK terms, that's 35,000. Okay. And we've got the capacity to do 160, 180 tests a day now, which we're increasing further. Again, that's 160, 180,000 a day. And we do that regularly.
1: Now, we all want to know how, how normal uh, life can be. Uh, post-Covid or, or sort of semi-post-Covid because it's going to be with us for a yeah. while, if not for, yes. for much longer than a while. Um, what Can yeah. you give us any heads up? How is it there now? Because the pubs are open, people are in the pubs, we're getting texts yes. from people who went for a pint last night in the sunshine. Yeah. What's it like? Yeah. What can we expect? What can we hope for?
0: Oh, it's lovely, Chris. It really is. You know, um, it's just lovely getting back to a sense of normality. And we went, uh, we went to lockdown early and it We were very proactive, um, but the idea was to keep us in lockdown as short as possible. And almost everything is open on the island now. The island has responded magnificently to it. Um, It's just an amazing place to live. It honestly is. And everyone's played their role. Everyone's trying to adhere to the rules, um, adhere to the social distancing measures and so on. So it's been that fantastic community effort. And just over the weekend when we first went into our so-called phase four is honestly everyone participated we have very very few issues and it was a fantastic response i was so so proud all right dr nicola uh,
1: thank you so much um did you have a drink last night anyway did you celebrate <laughs> is it time to celebrate yes or can, not
0: can- can I be really sad? I was working. <laughs>
1: so. Oh, which is that's it. That's that's the colours of your mask, uh, Dr. Nicola. Can I just say it's an honour to talk to you. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me.
1: You're very welcome. Uh, there you go, um, Dr. Nicola Brink, the director of public health, Guernsey.
2: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Lockdown was thrown into sharp focus the need for staying in touch, and let's face it, nothing is nicer than getting a handwritten letter. The brilliant National Literacy Trust supported initiative, My Dear new friend gets young people writing to those that really need it. And here to tell us all about it is a lady that's making the postman work very hard indeed. It's Alice Irwin. Good
1: morning, Alice! Morning, Chris! Morning, everyone! Morning, morning, morning! morning. morning. So, um, tell us about your idea. Tell us how it st- Tell started. Well, first of all, where did it come to you? Literally, where were you when it happened? And then what did you do? And where are we up to now? And how can we help?
10: Okay, so, it started um, at... Just before lockdown, I think like everyone, tried to think of something to do to help the community. And my children thought it would be nice to, to write to residents in our local care home. Mm-hmm. So we rung, we asked if we could write. And sadly, they said no, because of data protection. So it sort of hit, hit a stumbling block. And then it sort of niggled away. And then I thought we could circumvent it by writing to my dear new friend which we did and about a week later we got three letters back from the care home and um, the manager called to say it had a huge amount of joy So it kind of went from there.
1: So what you've done there, like you say, you circumvented it. So you've done the thing where it's very similar to it when people used to be able to... This is why databases used to be so um, sort of valuable. Um, But now you have to ask the permission to the person that you send the first email to, can we send you more information? And so that was your sort of under-the-radar letter equivalent of that, was it?
10: it? That was my way of getting around that. That by just writing to my dear friend that you could circumvent it. Um, and my children, like I said, wrote, I think, my daughter through pictures. And then we got two letters, three letters back the following week. Brilliant. Okay. Um, and then I thought if we could do it, everyone could do it. Could try and
1: do it. Now we we experienced similar with Noah camping down at the bottom of his garden, our garden. Which with was his so den. Cool. I was very cool, and but you like you say, there is the you know there are tipping points of various along various parts of everybody's journey, various stages. And we we the fact the thing that we were most overwhelmed by was the response to us reaching out from people who maybe wanted to be helped, didn't know they needed to be helped, and the love you get back is it's it's just it's I, it's I immense, isn't really it? More
10: huge and i was sort of overwhelmed by people wanting to help um and the response that like you said the response i think with a letter it's just knowing that somebody has thought about you it's so simple and baseline it's sort of baseline kindness um and i think everyone understands that
1: it's funny isn't it because lockdown press pause which was one thing but then somebody somewhere very sneakily pressed rewind and we started to have picnics yeah. again. You know, this there's, there's this um you know in Winter Great Park where we live, there's the polo fields. And they, they they have the sprinkler to the mother of all sprinklers. This thing sprays water. It must be sixty meters, right? And it goes up and down these massive polo fields automated and because it's a public park everybody can go. And on Sunday everybody there were so many people playing underneath the sprinkler. And I thought that's locked That there is lockdown yeah, because yeah. that's what we used to do. If somebody had a hosepipe in the street in the seventies, that was that was the fun. The fun fair had come to town, and you know, writing letters is all part of this same journey.
10: Yeah, I totally. And slowing down, and you know, a letter. You know, I think where everything is so invisible on computers and things now, it's a very visible thing. Parents can see it, and I think, like you said, it's back to basics. Um, There's simple things that can you know hold a lot
1: yeah and we had a calligraphy expert on a few months ago before covid19 and he was telling us about the therapeutic aspect of writing of just writing you know writing things out taking care with your hand you know because because letters are basically just small illustrations
10: and i think also i mean the research that the literacy trust has put together shows that writing letters make children feel happy and it helps them to express their feelings which is That in itself is just brilliant
1: but uh, right what can people do to get involved with you what can we do in the next 60 seconds to help to help you out
10: (laughs) what i would love is for anybody who would like to write a letter to somebody in care you can go onto the literacy trust website um and there's a link on the family zone which shows you how to do it and put pen to paper reach out make a new friend get your children writing um and yeah, take it from there. Find a new pen pal. Find a new friend. These <laughs> weird isolating times.
1: Pen pals were the best ever, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. yeah find a new friend. I love, I love it. I love it. Well done. And what do you, do you, do you have an end game here or are you just going to crack on?
10: Then I'm going to crack on because I think care homes are going to unfortunately be on lockdown a long time. I hope one day for my children, Otis and Violet, to meet Sandra and John, their pen pals. You know, all the social distancing that hopefully at the end of it they can meet them in person
1: all right you're Um, amazing how does it make you feel as a person
10: uh, it's cool it's it's, 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 you know when I get letters back and I get emails from people thanking me it's nice yeah it's
1: nice it's great to be of service isn't it I recommend it highly Alice (laughs) joy to talk to you
10: uh, thank you so much for having me on,
1: guys. You're very welcome. Alice Irwin, doing something for the good of others. My Dear New Friend is the initiative. My Dear New Friend. Find out more at literacytrust.org.uk.
2: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast, and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.